Warning. Due to violent and disturbing content, listener discretion is advised. What's up, creeps, and welcome to episode two of Seeing Red. Beckett and I wanted to thank everyone for showing love for our first episode, and a special thanks to everyone who's tuning in again and were ever so patient for our launch. We were a little shaky to start, but finally got this bitch off the ground. Today we'll be discussing serial murder, pink squishy bits, and communism. So without further ado, let's cuddle up and talk about murder. Where are we <laughs> headed today, Becca? Today we're headed overseas to Ukraine to tell you about the life and horror story that is Andre Chikatilo. Chikatilo was a late-blooming serial killer whose crimes could be traced back to childhood. His family suffered greatly during Stalin's forced collectivization in the 1930s. During the 1921 Russian famine, the head of Soviet Russia, Vladimir Lenin, seized all food coming into Russia, stating that the peasants should starve. Because of this, it was not uncommon for the poor to consume the dead as a means of survival. It is believed that during this time, Chikatilo had lost an older brother who allegedly was murdered and cannibalized by his neighbors during the famine that claimed millions of Russian lives. Whether the tale was true or not, it was drilled into his head by his own mother. So why the fuck did we not learn about this famine in school? We learned about the Holocaust, we learned about all these other atrocities, but only recently did we find out about this man-made famine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have even known about it if I didn't encyclopedia of serial killers. Like, if we could learn about people being gassed and cooked in ovens, then why didn't we learn about the Ukraine people eating each other? Because it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> No, and it, it was basically the purge over there at this time. Like, people got away. I don't want to say got away with. People did kill one another and openly sell human meat. And law enforcement turned a blind eye because they had such sympathy for these people that they were like, they have to do what they have to do to survive. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, I actually read that there were people up until the 30s that were collected and, like, thrown into jail for cannibalism, but they didn't, like, do it to everybody. I guess it was, like, a like a select, like, group of people that actually got caught, but these people are starving to death in the winter with full-on families, so, like, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. And that wasn't the only extreme they went to. Like, they took windows and doors off people's homes, and people were literally dying in the street, just left there to die. 
Yeah, I actually saw a page that had pictures of people walking by people laying in the street dying. And I mean, there's nothing you can really do to help these people when everyone is starving to death. I was reading that people were literally, like, boiling, like, harnesses and, like, leathers in their house to, like, eat for food. Like, and they were digging through fields for, like, tiny little potatoes and, like, bark and worms and, like, literally anything they could eat to survive, which led to some people even eating, like, their weaker or younger children. Yeah, to feed their older children. Like, I don't even have children, and that's just, like... Could you imagine, like, murdering or watching your kid die and then cooking your child to feed the rest of your family? I have to imagine that that would just traumatize your entire family. Like, how do you... Ugh. I can't imagine well, having to live with yourself after that. Well, that, like, that actually brings up a good point because I feel like if the mom would have seen or, like, known that her son was stolen from her and murdered to be eaten by neighbors... Maybe it gave her PTSD and post-traumas from the event happening, and that's why she would bring it up to the son. Because, I mean, if the dad is away at war, which we'll talk about in a little bit, then who else does she have to talk about this to when he's old enough to now understand, like, and she's able to, like, vent to him about it? Yeah, and I'm sure she wanted to instill that fear in him because she had already lost one kid because of this, and she certainly didn't want to lose her second. So it was probably drilled into his head, and I'm sure he heard rumors around town about, you know, children being eaten, the dead being eaten. Oh, yeah, especially, like, they had all the people in the inner city this is like the common thing there. The people in the city had food coupons so they could actually go and get food. And the people that helped with like the distribution centers and stuff, I read they actually got a piece of bread a day for working. So they would take the one single piece of bread that they would get and they would go home and like the families would live off the single piece of bread that they got every day. And like some of these families were like four or five plus people. But then, like, if you were caught, like, sympathizing with these people, like, some people were put to death for trying to help these people that were starving in the cold. And then there's all these kids with bloated stomachs walking around, and, like, some of them didn't even have clothing on. And, like, they literally let their people starve. I think it was, like, what, two, three? They said, I don't know exact count, obviously. People were, like, killed off during this. It's, like, another genocide. Actually, being killed off feels like a mercy compared to how they could have died. Oh, yeah. So as fucked up as his life already was, his, you know, his life was further disrupted by his father's conscription into the war against Germany, which was happening, where his father was captured and held prisoner and then vilified by his countrymen for allowing himself to be captured when he returned home. It said that there were two options in war. It was either be killed in battle or be a war hero. There was not a third option. So Chikatilo suffered due to his father's supposed quote-unquote cowardice, making him the target of bullies at home and in the neighborhood. As an interesting side note, while Chikatilo's father was away at war, it seems that his mom became pregnant. And it's very possible that a young Chikatilo may have witnessed his own mother being raped by soldiers. And that's how she got pregnant. So if this rape happened um, during Chikatilo's 
uh, puberty years, it's common for influences. Um, it's common for environment to influence people's sexual predilections during puberty. So seeing someone be raped while you're in the midst of puberty could give you that predilection for rape because you almost relate violence and sex. So that could explain why he had this need to force people into sexual situations with him. Chikatilo is believed to have suffered from hydrocephalus, which was water on the brain at birth, which caused him general urinary tract problems later in life, including bedwetting late into his late adolescence and later the inability to sustain an erection, although he was able to ejaculate. Painfully shy as a result of all of this, his only sexual encounter during his adolescence occurred when he was 15, when he was reported to have overpowered an 11-year-old girl likely intended on raping her, but ejaculated almost instantly during his brief struggle. This incident incited even further ridicule from his peers, and this humiliation influenced all of his future sexual experiences and cemented his association of sex with violence. This is probably where he realized that violence against another person was the only way he could be truly aroused instead of having like normal sexual encounters as an adolescent i think this solidified um his association between sex and violence and also like okay you're an 11 year old girl and you get attacked and i feel like that would be traumatizing but, like, you went around and told everybody that he nutted before he even had a chance to touch you? Like, yeah, what kind of 11-year-old even... girls go around doing this? Like, most people don't talk about their sexual assaults. How did the rest of the neighborhood find out? Yeah, and nothing happened when it was reported. So, like, I don't know, like, the laws and everything at the time, especially in Ukraine, no less. Because I'm assuming men had some sort of power over women. But, like, you're 15 and an 11-year-old, like, it doesn't really make sense. I, I mean, wonder how anyway yeah i wonder how commonplace that was then though it might have been just we live in a bad neighborhood and this is the shit that happens we have more important things to deal with yeah not to say it's not an important thing obviously oh, but yeah. the mindset at the time yeah especially if the whole town ends up making fun of him and giving him shit for it then like obviously she must have felt some type of way not saying like oh yeah she asked for it because it it's saying that he attacked her, but if you go around and tell the whole town, yeah, he attacked me, but then he nutted early, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what actually went on? We'll never know, but... So following his graduation, he failed his entrance exam to the Moscow State University, and a period of national service followed. Chikatilo then moved to a town near Rostov in 1960, where he became a telephone engineer. So at some point, his younger sister moved in with him, and she was worried about her brother being lonely, so she hooked him up with a lady friend of hers, a girl named Fiena, and the two got married in 1963, and despite his sexual problems and lack of interest in conventional sex, they managed to have two children and lived an outwardly normal life. I think the bitch settled. <laughs> uh, 
yeah maybe the sister said that she was just a normal plain girl and like the first option that she found that could be like boop my brother's lonely you're lonely go out on a date and that's how they ended up together yeah they probably settled for one another like he probably just wanted to appear to be a normal guy for lack of a better term and back in 1963 a woman's job was to get married and have babies so she probably just settled for what was put in front of her yeah i wouldn't doubt that especially because if he was having problems getting it in i mean i guess she kind of like took it as good (laughs) yeah well and maybe she didn't know any better you know i'm gonna presume she was a virgin prior to this yeah yeah not quite sure how the pregnancy conception thing happened with his inability to have normal sex i tried to research that but couldn't really find a lot of information because it's not as much of an issue today as it was in you know desolate russia in 1963 In 1971, Chikatilo changed careers to become a school teacher, but a list of complaints about indecent assaults on younger children forced him to move from school to school. Forced to find a new job to support his family, he got a job as a factory clerk in Rostov-on-Don. I don't even know if that's really, like, how you say it, because I'm not Ukrainian. But it required frequent travel for him by train and bus. He began trolling for his victims in bus depots and way stations. So I'm going to stop you there because how fucked up is it that instead of reporting this guy when he was a school teacher, instead of reporting him for molesting these children, they're like, oh, no, you're fired. Go somewhere else. But there's no record of him being a creep to children. They just like passed the buck and allowed him to go on to molest all these other kids exactly in the documentary that i watched on him they literally said that they had multiple students say that they were molested and like attacked by him and they literally just gave him a smack on the hand and sent him to a new school with other children yeah that's it makes you question like at the time like how many like how was that happening with so many students like nowadays it happens they're in jail whatever like back then, like how many pe- teachers were getting a smack on the wrist and passed along the different schools that were allowed to be around these people's children? Yeah, exactly. We heard about this guy because of what the end result is, but how many other people were doing the same thing? We all know that pedophiles prefer to choose jobs that put them in situations with children. So, how many other teachers did this happen with? How many children were victimized because of their irresponsible passing the buck yeah especially because this is just a like a little area of you like during that time like obviously this is early on and like a lot of pedophilia and everything wasn't like researched and like documented and everything but like how many kids does it take for you to actually do something and like report them to the state especially if it wasn't just a couple it was like a list of kids Right. Apparently an infinite number because it went on for as long as, as his teaching career did. And we only hear about it because he turned into this, like, horrible human. Yeah. That's the whole thing, like, with people in power like that, just disturbing. Because I literally have people that, like, worked for, like, church things and, mm-hmm. like, other, and teachers. Boy and Scouts stuff. and, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And, like, that's just personal stories, and everyone has a story about that. So it's, like, the men look for those, like, places of power because they know that they're going to be able to get away with it until they can't. Absolutely. All right, so the self-described mad beast and mistake of nature committed his first murder on December 22nd, 1978, in the town of Shakti. The body of nine-year-old Yelena Zakovanova, I am not Ukrainian, um, he strangled, raped, and stabbed her repeatedly. Um, Her body was pulled from the Grushkevgo River days later. A passerby had testified that he saw Chikatilo with the victim, but his wife produced an airtight alibi for him. He was one of many suspects questioned in the case, but police focused on a 25-year-old named Alexander Kravchenko, an ex-con who had served time before for rape. In custody, Kravchenko confessed after what was assumed to be a brutal interrogation where he was sentenced to death and was shot by a firing squad. Sorry, not sorry, you rapey-ass bastard. Uh, The solution looked good on paper, but did nothing to deter the real killer from striking again. Okay, so let's talk about this bitch-ass wife. Because (laughs) literally, after the first murder, they could have taken him. But she alibied him, which I'm assuming was because they had a family at this point. Because... Who wants to like turn in their husband? I mean, I she if she had a inkling that he did do it, she's gonna be left alone to raise two children by herself while he gets killed or thrown in prison. So right. I don't know what would have happened if she didn't alibi him. Right, and like I can't fault her too much because in 1978 soviet russia like a woman raising two children on her own with the stigma of a husband being in prison for the rape and murder of a child oh yeah yeah she was probably scared to death that she would be left alone to do this her life would have been over just as much as his was so i want to be angry at her but i can also understand Oh, yeah, especially during those times. And, I mean, she can't, like, confirm or deny. You don't know if she did know what he did, but... And you want to believe the best of your partner. You don't want to believe... Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to believe that your husband would kill a nine-year-old girl. Yeah, especially if you don't really know where your man's was at, then... Oh, I'm sure he was at work, or, you know, he... She wanted to believe whatever lie. He was traveling for work because that's mm-hmm. when he would do it. I mean, she doesn't know exactly, but she'll be like, oh, he was at work and he's alibied. Like, she knows where he is. The work knows where he is and he's covered, but. Yeah. Chikatilo gets the shit scared out of him and takes <laughs> three years off before making his next kill. We're assuming it was because he was questioned in Yelena's murder. On September 3rd, 1981, Larissa Kachenka, 17, became the next victim. Chikatilo strangled, stabbed, and gagged her with earth and leaves to prevent her from crying. The brutal force gave him his sexual release that he began to develop a pattern of attack that saw him focusing on young runaways of both sexes. He would befriend them at train stations and bus stops before luring them into the nearby forest areas, where he would attack them, attempt rape, and then use his knife to mutilate them repeatedly in a pattern of gr- grisly overkill. 
Mm-hmm. So most psychologists um, believe that Chikatilo suffered from a paraphilia called pickerism, which is essentially sexual gratification by stabbing someone with sharp object. Um, the knife or the ice pick or whatever would be used is all is almost a replacement or a representation of the penis and the sexual act. Um, and because this is repeated through a lot of Chikatilo's victims, it's likely that this was part of his his you know he needed this to nut? ejaculate to not yes to not. <laughs> So over the next nine years, dozens of corpses would be found in wooded areas adjacent to bus depots, grossly mutilated by, you know, this killer dubbed as the Rostov Ripper. Some victims had their tongues bitten off and others were disemboweled, sometimes with organs missing that suggested the killer might be indulging in cannibalism. Um... Later, when he confessed, he did admit to nibbling on some organs and described them as pink and springy. In a number of of cases, he ate sexual organs or removed other body parts, such as the tips of their noses or tongues. In the earliest cases, the common pattern was to inflict damage to the eye area, slashing across the sockets and removing the eyeballs in many cases, an act which Chikatilo later attributed to a belief that his victims kept an imprint of his face on their eyes even after death. Optography. (laughs) Tell us about optography. I don't know what the fuck that word means, but I do know that at the time, Ukrainian believe that right before you died you saw and held the image in your eyeballs of what last happened to you so he would slice their eyes believing that the cops would come and find the bodies and be able to see by looking into the eye what had happened to him and see his face so the doctors made that like their calling card but apparently in ukraine at the time it was like this big thing like i don't know if it was like considered like a folklore or like whatever superstition but like it scared him enough that in his deranged brain he would attack their eyes hoping that it wouldn't get him caught well interestingly it definitely started out as folklore but there were um scientists and and psychotherapists who believed this was an actual thing there were like big studies into it and everything where they believe that your retina captured whatever the last image you saw before you died like nowadays that's obviously ridiculous but at the time they they thought it was legit there was a huge amount of study put into it but it was eventually debunked because you know solving murder would be so much easier if that were the case (laughs) all the cold case files would be closed yeah okay though he came late into his murder game said no time at the peak of his homicidal frenzy in 1984 nine bodies were found in the month of august alone chikatilo was held for questioning that year and released on lack of evidence after communist officials intervened on his behalf lamenting that the persecution of a loyal party member was just plain wrong in 1983, Moscow Detective Major Mikhail Festisov 
I'm hoping that's his name. I'm sorry, sir. Assume control of the investigation. He recognized that a serial killer might be on the loose and assigned a specialist forensic analyst, Viktor Barakov, to head the investigation in, Shakti, in the Shakti area. The investigation centered on known sex offenders and the mentally ill, but such were the interrogation methods of the local police that they regularly solicited false confessions from prisoners, leaving Barakov skeptical of the majority of these confessions. Progress was slow, especially as at that stage, not all the victims' bodies had been discovered yet, so that the true body count was still unknown to the police. With each body, the forensic evidence mounted, and the police were convinced that the killer had the blood type AB, as evidenced by the semen samples collected from a number of the crime scenes. Samples of identical gray hair were also retrieved off the bodies. Okay, first, we need to say something about this whole, like, communist party bullshit because he was literally eliminated as a suspect because he was part of the communist party because you know a good communist would never behave in such a manner and that's that's the same ignorant thinking that i think is the reason people like jack the ripper was never found because they just eliminate an entire group of people based on what your social standing yeah i don't think that's that just makes no sense if you're gonna be like oh yeah i love the state blah 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 there's no that doesn't excuse you from being a piece of shit deranged human i'm sorry right and they literally had him before he got all the rest of his victims because he's going to go on to kill again and again like what we'll get into but they literally let him back out now, what, two to three times? Yeah, purely based on who he was. Like, you could have had him. You could have stopped all of these meaningless deaths, but... Oh no, he's a lover of the state. Yeah, yeah. Um, and secondly, there's the whole, like, AB blood type thing, which is, like, this cool... Um, might not be the right word this interesting thing where some people are considered non-secretors and Chikatilo is one of these people which made the investigation all the more difficult because so you could have a blood type you could be a b or a b that's your blood type but for whatever reason your spit and your semen and your hair does not match your blood type so in times before legit dna testing we had you know secretors and non-secretors but i think we were unaware of non-secretors at this time so because blood types at crime scenes didn't match his he was just eliminated as a suspect which isn't the fault of detectives or communism or anything it's just one of those fucked up things nature does to make the rest of our lives really hard (laughs) (laughs) in 1984 15 victims were added to the list police efforts were increased drastically and they mounted massive surveillance operations that canvassed most local transport hubs And Chikatilo was arrested for behaving suspiciously at a bus station, but again avoided suspicious on the murder charges as his blood type didn't match, like we mentioned before. But he was in prison for three months for a number of minor outstanding offenses. 
Um, during that time, uh, he did actually kill a mother and daughter in one day in, like, this wooded area. And the daughter was only, like, 10 years old. So he murdered the mother and then, like, chased this little girl down with a hammer and bludgeoned her to death. Ow. <laughs> and may I add, he did actually know the mother from previous years before he actually killed her, which makes me question the wife again because. How did she not connect those dots? Yeah. How yeah. does she keep letting him, like, get away with this? Like, did the, she know him? And if they ended up dying, both of them, and, like, she alibied him before, like, how does this keep happening? Yeah. Like, how is she not, like,. You know, yeah, Part of he was wants to blame the wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, following his release from those minor offenses, um, Chickatillo found work traveling as a buyer for a train company, and he kept like a low profile until 1985. But then he murdered two women in two separate incidences. And it would take six more years with some 25,000 suspects interrogated before police came back to Chicatillo for interrogation for the third time and finally found their killer. I think 25,000 is a bit of a stretch here, Ukrainian police. Yeah. Were you literally, <laughs> like, interrogating every... All of Ukraine. <laughs> All of the male Ukrainians. <laughs> <laughs> he looks suspicious yeah, he looks suspicious but i guess they got desperate at some point because they hired um a profiler um which wasn't you know big in the ukraine back in those days it was just kind of gaining footage here in the united states but over there not so much but this dude like nailed it he's like the killer is going to be this tall guy in his 40s he's going to be impotent rough childhood that made him a sadist and he'd either be single or he'd he'd be married to a, a submissive woman a submissive woman fuck that bitch no i'm just kidding <laughs> you're so i'm done you're with her. I'm done so with, mad at her i'm done with her shenanigans like this could have been stopped like 50 bodies ago <laughs> Moving right along, we think part of the problem was the communist mythology, maintaining that such decadent Western crimes, such as serial killers, never could have occurred in the People's Republic. At certain points, the police thought that the crimes may have been the work of organ harvesters. State censorship forbade police broadcasting descriptions of the suspect or even admitting that his crimes had occurred, and homicide investigators were thus reduced to the same cloak and dagger routine that have retarded the investigation of earlier similar cases. Now let's talk about censorship. <laughs> like what the okay. actual fuck? How are you not trying to protect the public from this potential serial killer rapist that's on the loose? They're like, oh, we're not, we're not going to tell the public about it or release what he might look like why now yeah especially because there's 15 no not 15 50 some people that he later goes on to tell that he's killed and you're just gonna be like oh no we're gonna figure it out guys just scurry along day to day yeah like, like here we would have had a curfew we would have had like 
travel in pairs, like lock your doors. Right. And they had a suspicion that this guy was picking people up at bus and train stations. Like have a composite sketch posted there to warn people to not go away with strangers or be on the lookout for this guy. But they're like, nah, it's good. Yeah, Stranger Danger is definitely, I don't know how lax it was in the 80s, like, but if most of these victims, which we'll talk about in a little bit, were younger kids, like, where are your parents? And then, like, to loop back around the um, organ harvest thing, because, like, he was eating or nibbling or whatever the fuck he was doing with those little pink squishy bits, um... They were, apparently, since around that time and even before, people were cutting shit out of each other and selling it on the black market. Yeah, you read some shit about that, didn't you? Yeah, I actually found, like, multiple, like, cover-up, like, articles about how Ukraine was trying to cover up the fact that they've had a huge black market organ thing that spans over different continents. They've even found, like, mass graves with people and soldiers actually missing organs. Because apparently overseas there, they aren't allowed to take the parts out of you without, like, your family's permission. And they're literally taking... They took the eyeballs out of this one girl's dad, and they thought the morgue did it, but they actually ended up being sold somewhere. And there's, like, an ongoing case that they're trying to cover up because they took, they're taking loved ones' bodies. And it's even said that they have um, possible, like, hospital military involvement because they've found fridges in, ba- like, near bases and near hospitals. And these small, like, local, like, tiny aircraft carriers have fridges on it that can transport and keep alive human tissue. So that means who knows where people's body parts are going. And it's they're literally having poor people give up parts of their organs to continue being able to live because they're in poverty. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that this killer would have been some organ trafficker. Yeah, but it's just, like, further proves that the censorship of other governments is just out of control. Like, they tried to hush this girl whose father's eyeballs were literally taking out of his dead body and cover it up, even though they're looking into it. And there's even articles saying that the BBC News is covering this up to the people to make it seem like, oh, it can't possibly be us. Like, it's like it's a covering up of european problem so it's basically places like the ukraine and russia are trying to keep up a facade that they're this amazing country that awful things don't happen like serial killer and orvis harvesting it and whatnot and i think that's why we don't get a lot of information on cases like his and other criminals in that area oh exactly because they want their pristine image and like powerfulness and like that they have all their shit together the same thing with china or korea or any of those that like censor their internet and their media thing because they'd rather have people not know than create like conflict mass hysteria like um conspiracy theories shit like that because then it covers their own ass okay 
So, coinciding with this attempt to understand the mind of Mr. Chikatilo, attacks seemed to dry up, and the police suspected that their target might have stopped killing. He could have been incarcerated for other crimes, or they even believed he could have died. However, in early 1988, Chikatilo again resumed his killing, and the majority occurring away from the Rostov area to try and throw off the cops. The victims were no longer taken from local public transit outlets as police surveillance of these areas continued heavily. Over the next two years, the body count increased by a further 19 victims, and it appeared that the killer was taking increasing risk, focusing primarily on young boys now and often killing in public places where the risk of detection was a lot higher. I find this part particularly interesting that he kind of shifted his focus to boys he had always killed both boys and girls um or i should say males and females um but prior to 88 he focused mainly on female victims up until this point and then he switched primarily to males i'm not i can't imagine why that happened like his female victims definitely outweigh his male victims or 32 females and 21 males. But the, these last couple years, it was the vast majority of them were male. And I find that interesting. I'm wondering, like, did he get tired of females and just decide that maybe he was stronger and could like overpower other younger males? Because I mean, most of these males are what mid to late teens like in ukraine probably like wandering around on their own he can take them by surprise whatever but at the same time it's like 32 females 21 males like you know what i mean yeah and the age range for these latter males seem to be between i want to say like 10 and 15 16 years old and given the impoverished area they were probably not very well-built young men not men that could or boys who could have protected themselves um and a lot of them were were runaways and people that might not have been missed so maybe they just were easier targets or more more convenient targets because maybe that just happened to be who was at the train station at the time maybe it wasn't even a conscious choice they were just victims of opportunity I mean, maybe he was bi-curious, and he was like, oh, 32 females, time to move it along. Oh, he definitely had some bisexuality going on. He definitely didn't have a, a noticeable prep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think weak was his type, or what he perceived as weak was his type. Yeah. So before it all ended, the investigation would disclose 95 additional murders and 245 rapes committed by other human predators in the district. So Chikatilo evaded capture on a couple occasions, but only narrowly. But on November 6, 1990, fresh from his final kill, um, his suspicious behavior was noticed by a patrolling officer um, at a station nearby and his details were taken and his name was linked to some of these previous arrests in like 1984 and stuff um, and he was put under surveillance um, then Chikatilo ran out of luck in November of 1990 when he was spotted at a rail station with literal blood stains on his face and hands but wasn't arrested 
They took his name and they discovered another victim two weeks later, which did prompt his arrest on November 20th. But how do you not arrest a bitch with blood on their hands and face? They're just like, oh. Fuck the life. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the life. (laughs) I'm blaming her. I've literally turned against her. I always want to be like, yes, vagina, but like, bitch. Like, first of all, like, I get the traveling alibi, whatever. But, like, if you literally wouldn't have alibied him at the first killing, we wouldn't have, like, had all of this shit happen. Which, yes, for granted, it did help find the other rapists in the district. But, for fuck's sakes, woman. You, you're you're all actually kind of pulling me to your side on this one. Because your old man is coming home with blood that has to be on his clothes. The way he kills these people are violent and horrific and very bloody. So you're not telling me my boy's not coming home with blood all over his shit and you're not questioning it? Like, she had to know something was going down. You've swayed me, woman. You have swayed me. Fuck (laughs) the wife. (laughs) I mean, like, literally. She, like, I'm not saying, like, they're going to be banging all the time. He has impotence issues, whatever. But, like, if your man isn't, like i don't know are they having sex anymore like he's a grandfather at this point like when he's taken in like his kids are grown up are they at home we don't know the home life situation like are they having sex do they not have sex because of his things is that why he's like letting out his like sexual frustrations and his rage in like this extent like the whole thing just leaves me with more questions than answers because obviously he's dead but like what the fuck (laughs) Yeah, and I I can't imagine she was completely ignorant to his sexual deviances. Like, maybe she didn't know that he liked to mess with kids or whatever, but at some point during their sexual life, I'm sure he let some of his violent tendencies slip. And being a submissive woman, she was just like, okay, I'm going to roll with it until it's done. But at some point, a girl's got to connect the dots and be like, some people we know wind up dead and he's been arrested a couple times and why are his t-shirts covered in blood? Like, you can only stick your head in the sand for so long. And you have to question, like, you have these two young children with this guy and then you later find out that he's been doing this to kids like obviously his kids have passed that age because he's a grandfather at this point but how do you do that to these little children and then go home and sleep at night knowing you killed someone else's children whether they're runaways or not they have families to go home to or people that are looking and waiting for them and you dispose of them in shallow graves after doing like these ungodly things to them and then you can sleep at night next to your wife knowing your kids are in the next room. Like, that's just, like, doesn't all sit well with me. Um. Okay, so after eight long days of interrogation, Chikatilo confesses to a total of 55 murders. He was later taken to different sites of undiscovered bodies and their shallow graves, sometimes just eyesight away from people. The police and the investigators even had him reenact how he attacked his victims. He finally confessed to a psychologist who appealed to his need for importance and power. His reaction of atrocities illustrated by demonstration on mannequins and included sadistic mutilation of several victims while they were still alive. 
It's interesting to note that the psychologist that he confessed to is the same psychologist who uh, wrote up the profile for him a couple years before. So this guy was clearly clearly ahead of his time. Like he was able to write this profile and then sat down with him and was able to appeal to this guy, to Chikatilo's narcissism and need for, you know, importance. So, you know, this guy became a big deal. Like he was celebrated as an expert on sex disorders and serial murder. He needs to write a book. I would read his book. We love an innovative queen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So overall, he claimed to have taken 56 lives, but he was only charged with 53. Only 53 counts of murder. Only. Um, So he was declared sane and fit to stand trial. So he did so on April 14th of 92. Um, But throughout the trial, he was held in this iron cave designed to to keep him apart from the relatives of his victims because heaven knows we need to keep this man safe. Uh, The media referred to him as the maniac and his behavior in court ranged from anything to complete boredom to absolute mania. He would sing and talk gibberish and one point was even reported to have dropped his trousers and waved his junk at the assembling crowd. Uh, The judge appeared less than impartial, often overruling Chikatilo's defense lawyer, and it was clear that Chikatilo's guilt was a foregone conclusion. The trial lasted until August, and surprisingly, given the judge's bias, the verdict was not announced until two months later on August 15th, when Chikatilo was found guilty on 52 of the 53 murder charges and sentenced to death for each of the murders. So, let's talk about faking mania to get an insanity plea. Let's just talk about how well that worked out for our boy Charlie. Mm-hmm. Pour one out for my boy Charlie. <laughs> i feel like when you're in the hot seat and you realize that like you've been doing this for years and you're running and running it's like oh the best option here would be for me to just shit my pants and whip my dick out and pretend that i'm insane so i can live my life out in a cell which i don't know who would rather live their life in a cell and possibly live their life in like that type of situation rather than just dying but i mean i guess that's the humanity deep down under a psycho (laughs) yeah and honestly like prison is scary enough i can't imagine what a ukrainian prison is like compared to ours fuck's sake (laughs) yeah no um but he I don't know. I think it's obvious that he, that whole, all the shenanigans there um, in the courtroom, they were all completely fabricated. Like every other day of his life when he wasn't chopping little children up, he was completely normal. He wasn't waving his junk at people and he was articulate and intelligent and... And working a full-time job traveling on top of this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he snaps and he's batshit crazy. Like... Try again, Andre. Yeah. (laughs) After Chikatilo's confession, it's clearly disproved that Alexander Kravchenko, the man we told you about earlier, who was actually tortured into falsely agreeing to have committed these crimes, was pardoned for the slaying of Chikatilo's original victim. 
Chikatilo goes on to file for an appeal that's centered around the claim that the psychiatric evaluation, which had found him fit to stand the trial, was biased. But this process was unsuccessful, and 16 months later, he was executed in his cell by a single gunshot behind his ear on February 14th, 1994. Happy Valentine's Valentine's Day, Day, motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes the story of the Rostov Ripper. Come back next time when we will explore the life and crimes of the blood countess herself, Elizabeth Bathory. We want to thank everyone for listening and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for extra content, episode announcements, and more. A special thanks to Zip Scribs for our page art. Make sure to hop over to his Instagram and show him some love. Shout out to Brent Allman for our kick-ass musical score. And a thank you to Stephen Sweeney, our patient and talented editor. And that's all for tonight. Until next time, remember, keep it creepy. Hit the music. Ba 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 ba.